Good. Well, uh, welcome to um, those of us who are here, and welcome to any who may be joining us online. Um, and uh, we have um, another very simple format Bible study. So um, we will read the scriptures, and then I will pray, and then I will share some thoughts from the Word, and then uh, we will go to the second half of our meeting, which will be discussion, God willing. So our passage tonight is Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 23 down to uh, chapter 13 and verse 3. And uh, this is found, if you wish to follow, if you happen to have a church Bible available, uh, this is found on page 636, Proverbs 12 and verse 23. So it says this. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game. But the diligent man will get precious wealth. <clears throat> in the path of righteousness is life. And in its pathway there is no death. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of his mouth a man eats what is good, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So uh, that's we'll, we'll pause reading there. And just before we pray, just to mention that we've got a few not able to be with us tonight. Um, Jan is with um, Naam and Hannah uh, um, in Torquay. And uh, David and Daniel Nee are both at a meeting to plan for when they go to the British Medical Association conference. Well, let's now come to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your precious and holy word, which is able to instruct us and to guide us and to help us to go along the right path. And Lord, uh, we do thank you for this book of Proverbs. Thank you for the many things, the many good things we've already seen from this book. And Father, we pray that you will please 
instruct us further tonight. Please, Lord, would you help me to be able to bring good things out of your word. Help me to be able to speak accurately and helpfully and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, please speak to us all through your word. And Father, we also pray that uh, when the time comes for discussion, uh, you would help us to be able to build each other up and do each other good. So please bless this time now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue this evening in our studies in the book of Proverbs. Last time we looked at this at this book, uh, two weeks ago, Paul was look, looking at um, the verses that immediately precede the passage that we were that I've just read, and he was talking about how uh, about about um, the the good thing of speaking good words, tr- good and true words, and the danger and the harm that comes from speaking bad words. And uh, these verses, to some extent continue that theme, at least one aspect of these verses continues that theme, and, and that is uh, that uh, we see from a couple of these verses how we need to be very careful in what we say. We need to guard our lips. Uh, it's so easy, isn't it, for us to say foolish things, harmful things, without even hardly thinking. We just, these things just trip out of us before we've even realized it and sometimes can do great harm. So we, there's that theme. There's also the theme of the, the, these verses speak some more about the, about the importance of working hard. That's something which we've seen quite a bit in this book of Proverbs. There's also an interesting verse about how anxiety can weigh us down and can hinder us and how, on the other hand, uh, a kind word can do much good. And there's also in here about how the righteous, those who 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 live according who, who are born again and live according to God's word, can not only be a source of guidance for themselves, but also a source of guidance for others. So uh, I think there's a, quite a lot here that we can benefit from. So let's start then with this this truth that a wise person is careful about what he says. Uh, we read in verse 23, a prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. Now, the old uh, NIV translation that we used to use uh, translates it thus. It says, a prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself but the heart of fools blurts out folly now remember when we're look using when, when we're in the book of proverbs the word prudent or wise uh, in this book has a special meaning it's not just somebody who is intelligent or somebody who is well educated it's got a very much a spiritual side to it. This is about this is talking about a person whose heart has been renewed, who has been born again. And because his heart has been renewed, he's been born again, he wants to do the right thing from the heart. He may not yet be perfect, 
but he has this desire or she has this desire to live in a way which is pleasing to God. Whereas the fool is the opposite in this book. The fool is not just somebody who's not very bright or somebody who's not very well educated. You can actually be not very bright but actually very wise. It's not, it's not a matter of intelligence. It's rather a, a fool is used in this Bible, in this book, to, and indeed in the Bible generally, to describe the person who is still dead in his sin, who doesn't want to please God in his life or in, in her life. So what Solomon is saying here is that the person who is wise is not going to be somebody who has got necessarily very many words. He's not going to be somebody who's just constantly just chatting away, just filling the airwaves with all sorts of sounds. He's going to be somebody who's careful to say what is right and true and wise and upbuilding. Just because he knows something doesn't necessarily mean that he will speak of it. He'll only speak of what he knows if he knows that, that to do so will be beneficial for people around him. By contrast, the verse says, the heart of fools proclaims folly. Or as I've just mentioned, NIV puts it, the heart of fools blurts out folly. Jesus said in the New Testament, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So because the fool has got a foolish heart, he cannot help betraying the folly that's in his heart by blurting out a whole load of rubbish, a whole load of foolish things. Now, if we go on to chapter 13, and we'll, lump, we'll lump this verse, verse 23 of chapter 12, together with chapter 13 and verse 3, which says something similar. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So here's the same sort of idea. A, a, a wise person has got a sort of, a, a, like a, a sentry on his mouth. He's got a guard on his mouth. Who goes here? You know, in these old films, you know, who goes there? You know, the guard says, challenges the person. What are you doing here? What, what do you want? Well, the guard, normally a guard is to stop wrong things coming in. But this guard... It's to stop wrong things going out. So he says, what, what, do you, what do you want him to say? Why do you want to say it? Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to be good? And a wise person's got that, as it were, that guard, that sentry on his, on his, on his lips to, uh, to, to be careful about what he says. And this is what keeps him from making a fool of himself and getting himself into trouble. It's so easy, isn't it, to say something perhaps insulting or rude or something like that, and then we make all sorts of trouble for ourselves. So he whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He perhaps makes sure that insult doesn't come out or that 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 provocative statement doesn't come out. So in a literal sense he preserves his life. But again we know in a spiritual sense Jesus said, by your words you will be condemned, and the word by your words you will be acquitted. 
in a sense that your wor- our words betray what is in our heart. And the true believer, uh, he shows that he, he knows the Lord. He shows that he, he uh, has trusted Christ for salvation by the fact that there is that guard on his mouth. But the fool, well, he opens up. He opens wide his lips and he comes to ruin. Now, this, um, the book of Proverbs says quite a lot about this, about, about being careful about what you say. And let's just do a reminder, some of you perhaps weren't here anyway, uh, back to chapter 10, verse 19. Um, when words are many, transgression, that means sin, is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So, you know, if you're, if you're a chatterbox, if you're one of these people who, you know, just, it's just all the time, just stuff is just coming out of your mouth, watch out. Because with all those words, there's probably not going to be a lack of sin either. But the person who shows restraint careful about what he says or she says uh, is going to be wise uh, if we can also look forward to um, chapter 15 we can preview if you like chapter 15 verse 2 um, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge but the mouths of fools pour out folly so there's this idea of like this fountain of folly coming out of the mouth of a fool. Whereas when the, when the wise man speaks, he's commending knowledge. He's, he's bringing forth valuable things. And um, chapter 17, verse 28. Uh, Even a fool who, can, who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. You know, if you want to look like you're wise, well, this is what, one thing you can do. You can just zip up your mouth. And uh, people go, oh, he seems pretty wise because he's not constantly bursting out a load, of, a load of foolish things. And for chapter 21 and verse 23, uh, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Sometimes people lose their jobs, not because they've, they were necessarily bad employees, but just because they just didn't know when to keep the mouth shut. And if only they'd have responded to provocative things, perhaps in a more careful way, more considered way, then... Uh, they would still be in work today. And the New Testament, of course, warns us about being too free with our speech, too careless with our speech. Uh, the great passage that speaks about this, I'm sure many of you all know, is James chapter 3. You might want to just look over to that quickly. James chapter 3. Um, it's quite a long passage, but I think it's worth just... Uh, 
quoting because it is so, so helpful. Um, so this is found on page 1200, 1200, James chapter 3. Uh, I'll read from verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. But if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining, our whole, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Well, we see there how this tiny little tongue that we've got in our body, the power that it has, it can do great good. Like a bit in the, in the, in the mouth of a, of, a, of a horse, that can do great good. It can direct the horse to go where, where the rider wants the horse to go, this tiny little bit in the, in the mouth, and, and it can mean that the horse can, can really be useful. But that little tiny bit can also lead the horse down wrong paths, or a rudder on a ship. That can steer the ship across the ocean so it goes where, the, where the, the sailor wants it to go. But if that rudder points in the wrong direction, the whole ship goes astray. And so, again, one little tiny spark can set a whole forest ablaze. And this, so this little tiny member in our bodies, this tiny little thing, this tiny little thing called the tongue, can, yes, it can be tremendously helpful, but also really, really destructive. And the wise person knows just how dangerous that tongue can be. So he says, whoa, whoa, just be careful what you say. Uh, and um, in Ephesians chapter 5, we've got some guidance, very helpful guidance from the Apostle Paul about um, the tongue. Um, this is on page 1162. Um, no, not chapter 5. It must, must be chapter 4, I think. Yeah, Ephesians 4, page 1162. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is such as is good for building up 
as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So you've got four questions to ask yourself, four questions for me to ask myself before I say something. Is what I'm thinking of saying not going to be corrupting for the person who hears it? Secondly, is this thing that I'm thinking of saying actually going to do good for building up the other person? Thirdly, is this thing suitable for the occasion? It might be true, it might be upbuilding, but does this person need to hear this thing now? Is this the right moment? Fourthly, will this thing that I'm thinking of saying impart grace to the person who hears it? If you can't, if something I'm thinking of saying doesn't pass those four tests, don't say it. Better to keep quiet and say nothing than to say something foolish or unhelpful and regret it afterwards. It's, once you've said something, it's very hard to take it back, isn't it? You, you can say, oh, I didn't mean what I said, but very hard to take it back. It's there, it's out. Better not to say it than, than to think afterwards. You know, that's that old saying about some policemen. They shoot first and ask questions afterwards. And sometimes we can do that, can't we, with our tongue? We shoot first and ask questions afterwards. Oh, should I have said that? Too late now, you've said it. Better not to say it first. Or to think first. And just because something's true, just because we know something, doesn't need to be said. Remember, Jesus said, don't put your, cast your pearls before swine. Or they might turn and attack you. What are you going to say? It might be valuable, it might be true. Maybe some personal experience you've had or maybe something you've read from the Bible. But what's the person going to do with that? Is he going to benefit from it? Is he going to use that well or is he going to misuse that information? In that case, um, just keep quiet about it. Okay, so we see there that, that um, the first thing from this passage is that, is that um, Solomon says that we need to, uh, a wise person is going to be careful about what he says. Now, the next thing uh, is that hard work leads to a position of leadership. Coming back then to Proverbs chapter chapter 12, um, and we read verse now, verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labour. Now, remember when we're reading the book of Proverbs, we are, I think, as, as Paul said on one occasion, I can't remember exactly how, but something like, we are, re- we're generally speaking, the Proverbs are about what is generally true. <laughs> generally speaking true, something like that. Generally speaking, the Proverbs are about what is generally speaking true. So here is something which is generally speaking true. If somebody is really hardworking, really diligent, that person will be given more responsibility. And that person, and then does that well, then you'll be given more responsibility. Does that well, give more responsibility. And you see this happening all the time, don't you, in the workplace? That um, 
Somebody works hard, you know, that you say to that person, could you do this job? And that person makes sure he does that job. Then you say, could you do this job? He does that job, you do that job, he does that. That person who can be relied upon, before long, his boss will be saying, oh, I think I need to promote you. I need to make you a supervisor. Oh, and you, that person works well as a supervisor. Oh, I need to make you a manager. Works well as a manager. Oh, I need to make you a director. Uh, so that person's, if you like, power, influence, responsibility will grow because he's hardworking, he's careful, conscientious, and so on. But the slothful will be put to forced labor. Now, <laughs> thankfully, we don't have slavery anymore in this country, by God's grace. Um, but I suppose the nearest thing to slavery today is where you're, you're working really long hours, very little pay, very little responsibility, very, much, very little job satisfaction. If you're lazy and can't be bothered to do the job properly, chances are you will land up in a pretty low position, not much responsibility and uh, not much job satisfaction. And then we've got another insight into sloth, uh, verse 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Again, speaking about what is generally true. Um, if, uh, if, if, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just such a strange thing, isn't it? The guy goes out all day hunting. He manages to hunt, maybe, I don't know, a deer or something like this. He drags the deer home. He's done all the hard work, but then he can't be bothered to skin the deer and cook it. Just can't be fact. And, uh, so all his, all his work that he's done during the day of going out and doing the hunting gone to waste. And this is what you find, you know, a lazy person, well, he starts tidying up his room and then he gives up. And then he goes back to where he was again. He starts to do a job, gives up. Well, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. So all that time that he spent, what he, the first few hours of doing that job, it's wasted. Starts to... Uh, a university course. Oh, I don't feel like this anymore. Gives it up. And, and so there is this very, very sad failure to accomplish anything of any substance because it doesn't push through, doesn't actually complete the task that, that he started. But the diligent person uh, will, little by little, accumulate for himself now of course we have to be careful about you know we, we, we often warn about the so called prosperity gospel we're not talking here about how you know um, be a Christian so you can get rich <laughs> you know that, that's not that's not the point the point is that that, that but if you if we are careful to work hard then then we will have our needs, generally speaking, provided for. But, of course, there's a, as we've noted previously when, when we've been talking about you know, the, 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 these verses that talk about hard work, the value of hard work and, and, and the danger of, of, of laziness, 
we see again there's a spiritual application here. If we're diligent with our Bible study, diligent with our prayer, diligent with our coming to meetings of the church and, and, and fellowship, reading good Christian books and so on, then we will prosper spiritually, we'll grow, and we'll build up a rich store of, of spiritual blessings. So, but if we're going to be, if we're lazy, if we can't be bothered, then um, whatever, whatever we might have gained, we'll end up losing and, and, uh, and uh, we've not gained the benefit from. So that's the second thing. Third thing, we, we have this thing in verse 25 about how anxiety can weigh a person down, even crush a person. Uh, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So this verse speaks to us about the negative effect of anxiety. If you feel anxious, well, we say, don't you, that somebody's, feel, somebody's got the world on his shoulders. And that's how, somebody, how we can be sometimes. We, we're carrying these burdens of anxiety and stress and worry. And it's like going around with heavy lead boots on. You've got no joy, you've got no strength, you've got no energy. You can't get yourself to do anything because you just feel so burdened all the time with this crushing anxiety. And there'll often be effects on health, be a loss of joy. Uh, there may well be a sort of sense of paralysis. This anxiety just brings about a sense of paralysis. I think, well... There's no point in doing anything because whatever I do is not going to work. And sadly, sometimes anxiety can almost be self-fulfilling. You think, oh, if I do this, then that's going to happen. So if I do that, then well, that will happen. And it's, oh, I might as well not do anything. And then, and then you're worried about losing your friends. But because you're worried about losing your friends, you don't contact your friends. And then you do lose your friends. And these, you know, these, these... This anxiety leads to further problems down the line. But a good word makes him glad. You know, just, oh, you know, don't, don't worry. The Lord is in charge. Don't worry. You are loved to a Christian. You are loved with an everlasting love. Lord's working all things together for good. You never know how the Lord might intervene in this situation. A kind word, just a little word of encouragement can do tremendous good to somebody who is downcast. So given that anxiety is such a, a debilitating thing, is there a cure? Well, there are cures, and, and, and I think it might be helpful if I just mention a few things that, that, that can really help if we're feeling anxious. Probably many of us know, many of you know these things, but let me just remind you. Uh, the first thing is prayer. If you're feeling anxious, 
pray. Uh, the lovely verses in Philippians 3, if you don't know these verses, I encourage you to just get memorize these verses off by heart and just, just or put them on a piece of paper and put them on your wall or something. Philippians chapter 4, page 1066, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sorry, that was one page 1166, if you know what the reference. Philippians 4. Verses 4 to 7. Really helpful verses. So, do not be anxious, but instead of being anxious, pray. Whatever it is you might be tempted to be worried about, bring it to the Lord. Remember that hymn? Perhaps actually might be a good idea to sing that one. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Whatever it is you're worried about, Bring it to God. Oh, what peace too often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Bring it to God. Whatever it is, you might say, oh, this is too small to trouble God with. No, he's interested in your tiniest concerns. Tell him whatever it is you're worried about. Uh, Peter says something similar in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. He said, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Just throw them onto the Lord. So pray, and then also believe, very much tied up with prayer, of course, but um, in John chapter 14, um, Jesus says, John 14 verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. So we must not allow ourselves to be troubled. We must not allow ourselves to be anxious. We should believe God. He says, you believe in God? Fine, well, believe also, also in me. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Jesus. That he's looking after you. And also, um, verse 27 of that chapter. Um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We mustn't allow ourselves to get into this panic. We're so often, te- you know, we, this happens, doesn't it? We, we get into a panic. We think, oh! And, and the word says, no, don't allow yourself to get into this fearful state. So, um, cure for anxiety, prayer, faith, and the third one is fellowship. I'm not sure we often think about this, but actually the Bible tells us that we should share one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6 and verse um, 2, page 1158 Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
So, uh, you should help me bear my burden, and I should help you bear your burden. But how can I help you? How can I help you with your burden if you don't tell me what your burden is? And how can you help me with my burden if I don't tell you what my burden is? And so, how can we fulfil this command? to bear one another's burdens if we don't share the burdens that we have. And obviously, you know, you don't have, you know, maybe something's very personal and you don't want to share, that's okay. We're not saying you've got to, you know, bear all to every, absolutely everybody and, you know, all your deepest secrets and fears you've got to tell the whole world. No, 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 but, but find a good Christian friend. You know, there will be somebody in the church, hopefully, you can, you can trust and, and, and share what's happening and, 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 but say to also to, 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 is there anything that you're concerned about at the moment? Anything I can pray for you at the moment? So, and of course this ties back up with this, what we've just seen. A kind word. You see, maybe not only the person who's, who is, um, that you share with, not only can that person pray for you, and not only can he or she show concern for you, but maybe that might be just that little word, that kind word, and it it just lifts the burden. You say, "Oh, why was I so worried about?" And it, you just get that different perspective, which you, which um, you you perhaps didn't otherwise have. So, well, anyway, I think I think we should pause. I think we I think we've done three things, three topics, and although I've got two others prepared, I think. Um, I think we should pause there and uh, give an opportunity for some discussion because there's quite a lot there that we've already we've already um, touched on. So, so these three things then that we've seen. First of all, a wise person is is, is careful about his speech. He's put a guard on his mouth. He doesn't say a lot of, of silly drivel. He, he's, he's 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 controlled in what he says. Um, Secondly, a wise person uh, is um, it's working hard, which leads to um, being given responsibility. And you've got examples of that in the Bible, of course. Joseph worked hard, given responsibility. Daniel worked hard, given responsibility. You've got numerous examples. And then thirdly, a wise person knows how to deal with anxiety and, and, and takes God's means to overcome anxiety and helps other people also to overcome anxiety so uh, I think we will pause there and to give an opportunity for some discussion um, and um, you know we don't have to talk we can you know we can if, if, if there's not much people want to say we can we can have a, a little bit of time of prayer but but we'll see um, see if anybody does want to to say anything so let me just now um, uh, commit this to the Lord, uh, and um, and then we'll we'll move to our second part. And if anybody's online, obviously do feel free to join us for discussion on Zoom. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the way in which uh, your word instructs us. And we thank you for the way that that uh, we're warned about being careful with our speech 
being careful not to say foolish or wrong things, or even just to say things that might be true but are not said at the right time or in the right way. We pray that you will help us, Lord God, uh, to put a, a guard on our lips. And Lord, uh, we also pray that you will please um, help us to be diligent and hardworking in whatever sphere you call us to be. Lord, um, help us to, uh, to, to be um, diligent. And Father, we also pray that you will um, help us um, to, t- to handle um, anxiety when, when we're tempted. We all of us go through periods of time where we're tempted to anxiety. We pr- thank you that you've given us a way out of anxiety in your word. Uh, thank you for your for prayer. Thank you for for the way we can believe you. Thank you that we can have fellowship with each other. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to take these means to um, conquer anxiety, so that we might uh, be free of this deadening effect that anxiety has upon us. So, Father, we thank you, and uh, Lord, we pray, please bless our uh, discussion now if we do have any discussion, or if we have a prayer time, help us to have a profitable prayer time. Uh, We pray these things through Jesus Christ. Amen.